For almost 40 years, an incredible phenomena has been occurring in a remote village of Bosnia-Herzegovina, which may contain secrets that could change life as we know it. After hearing of a number of miracles from first-hand witnesses, I wonder if this could be a giant wake-up call for humanity. Considering once these secrets are revealed, it could be too late, this just might be worth taking a look into. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and since the day I discovered this place called Medjugorje, I haven't been able to take my mind off of it. Why doesn't everyone know about it? Well, join me as I bring real-life stories of miracles of Medjugorje and why this is a modern-day case for grace. Welcome back to Miracles of Medjugorje, A Case for Grace. I'm Shannon Gieselman, and with me here today, I have a very special guest, Judith Weibel, who was married to the late Wayne Weibel. And I'm sure most of you listening know very well that Wayne was and is the most notable and number one best-selling author on the subject of Medjugorje. After hearing his own calling from our Blessed Mother, he made it his life mission to spread the word of Medjugorje. He brought an unprecedented worldwide recognition to this tiny little village, not only through his 12 books, but by traveling the world tirelessly to help educate others about it. I'm beyond grateful to have you here with us, Judith, to help carry on Wayne's legacy. I know that I personally attribute all of my initial interest and knowledge to Wayne, and his first book had a great impact on me, The Medjugorje of the Message, and I actually think that that should be required reading in school today. <laughs> uh, I think there's a time there that I was probably chain reading his book, so thank you. Thank you so much again for being here with us. Uh, it's my understanding that one of Wayne's most favorite prayers was the Hail Holy Queen. So yeah. if you wouldn't mind, Judith, opening our episode today with that prayer. Okay. Um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry for banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn them, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for the Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Mary, Queen of Priests, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. I want to open up today's episode just by asking you, first of all, as I do all my guests, how in the world did you ever hear about this miraculous place of Medjugorje? I first heard about Medjugorje actually from my mother. Uh, I was not living in England at the time, but she obviously was. I am English. And she had heard about it at church. She was in a prayer group. And I believe several friends of hers, including one uh, friend that was a nun that happened to be, have been my French teacher at school, uh, had visited Medjugorje and come back glowing um, with all of the graces that are uh, poured out on people in Medjugorje. And that's when I first heard about Medjugorje. And um, after that, I was, in fact, living in the United States in Palm Beach at the time. And I went to mass in Palm Beach and found Medjugorje, the message, the book he just held up in the back of a church and took it home with me and read it in like 48 hours. 
and again that that was my initial introduction into the uh, wonderful place mm -hmm. so tell us what does your life look like before you actually went there and experienced it yourself I was cradle Catholic and brought up with wonderful family who had great faith and I believed in God and I believed in my church but I was traveling all over the world. I had a great job. I was working on private yachts and I put God in a box. Uh, God only came out when it was convenient. And other than that, I lived my life as I wanted to live my life and justified my sins, you know, thinking these sins are not as bad as those sins, you know, so um, I'm sure God loves me and it's fine. And that all changed when I went to Medjugorje. What is the number one thing that makes you believe without a shadow of a doubt that these apparitions are in fact genuine? Well, my first trip to Medjugorje, I was climbing cross mountain with the group. And when I came to the 14th station of the cross, Jesus is stripped of his garments. I was immediately stripped in front of the Lord. I just felt my soul was naked in front of the Lord. And he just immediately put that knowledge in my heart that um, the existence of God and the knowledge of how much he loved me. And that made me believe that there was a special grace in Medjugorje. Uh, that was the beginning of my conversion. You actually saw our Lord Jesus stripped of his garments, meaning like... No. It was, I was praying the stations of the cross and I was praying each one with the group. And as I prayed at that station, Jesus is stripped of his garments. As we prayed that, I felt my soul stripped in front of God. Like I could feel like I felt naked in front of God. Yes. And I just, um, he poured into my heart at that moment, knowledge, complete knowledge of the existence of God and the knowledge of how much he loved me and how I had to put him in the first place in my life completely. It changed everything in that moment for me. And I immediately went to confession and that was the beginning of my conversion. Now to follow up and answer your question, it wasn't until a couple of years later when I went back to Medjugorje um, and stayed there for several months. And I was invited to one of the visionaries' homes, Miriana's home, and we had her apparition in the basement. And I was there with about 10 other Italians and two religious, and we all went down to her basement living room, and she knelt down at one end of the room, and we all knelt behind her. Uh, there was one young boy behind me. He had Down syndrome, and he was about five years old. And Miriana began the rosary in Croatian, and we all joined in. And about halfway through the rosary, she just stopped immediately in mid-sentence and just began gazing up at the wall. And so we all knew Our Lady had come and it was silent. And then the little boy behind me started mumbling and, you know, making strange noises. And I can remember at the time being annoyed and frustrated that this boy behind me was ruining my special moment. You know, we, we can still be very sinful in holy moments. So... About five minutes later, Miriana made the sign of the cross and she stood up. Our lady had gone. And this young boy stood up and ran to the wall in front of us and started hitting the wall where Miriana had been gazing and saying, where has the beautiful lady gone? I want to go with the lady. And he was actually hitting a picture on the wall, like of a ship, you know, just like where she was staring. Mm. And he was inconsolable. You know, it didn't take us long for all of us to realize that we had witnessed a great miracle. This boy had seen Our Lady in apparition and we had all seen a miracle in front of us. And at that moment, 
if I had any doubt in my mind that the apparitions were not true, in that moment, I knew for sure that they were true. Wow, incredible. Well, how would you say that the site of Medjugorje compares to other pilgrimage sites like Lourdes, Fatima? I think the grace is stronger in Medjugorje. Um, I have said to many people when they're discussing whether to come on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje or go to another apparition site, I often say, do you want to visit um, an apparition site where Our Lady's appearing now or where she appeared before? And I just think this extra special grace in Medjugorje, it's, uh, as you have described in other shows, a place where heaven just opens up and reaches down and touches the earth. And I have been to other sites, but never felt anything quite like I do in Medjugorje. Yeah, it's incredible. It's just so much of God's glory just seems to be graced in Medjugorje. And people just describe the, the feeling of once you just touch foot on it, it just is an incredible piece and a sense of calling home, like a home is what everyone says. Um, why do you think that it's, it's just so concentrated there? Like what is, obviously because she's appearing there, but, but we could see our Blessed Mother anywhere in the world. I mean, we talk to her and have contact with her, but why there? Why just there? I believe it's because this is God's last call to save his children. Um, I believe that Medjugorje uh, has been designed by God to save us from ourselves, to save this world. And when we each go to Medjugorje, God just allows his mother to pour out so much grace on us. And then as we each go home, we're like living tabernacles of that grace. And we bring it back to all our different countries throughout the world. And in that way, God has kind of allowed us to join him in that um, saving of the world, if you like. Yeah. Father uh, Slavko always used to say, you're only supposed to come to Medjugorje for a week, and then you're supposed to take it home to everyone else. Oh, yes. Wasn't it recently his anniversary of his passing? Because I saw yeah. a lot of, oh, it was. Right, yes, yeah, it was a couple of days ago, I believe. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, it was the year 2000, he passed away climbing Cross Mountain. That's an incredible story. Yes. Something um, like last words were, be careful where you step. It's slippery or something. And they were kind of likening that to how profound that could be in, in terms of life. And then the next day during Ivan's apparition, um, Father Slavko appeared uh, next to Our Lady in apparition. And, and she said that he was in heaven with her. I didn't know he appeared. Yes. Yvonne, I, Yvonne I claims to I think he did. I may be wrong. I'm sorry yeah, if I'm wrong, yeah. but maybe she just told him. Do you, um, do you have correspondence with a lot of the visionaries um, to this day? Not really. Um, sometimes when I'm in Medjugorje, but not, not really when I'm in America. No. What do you think, why do you think that God sends his mother to Medjugorje as opposed to coming himself? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you and I had talked about that before. I don't know. I think it's because she's such a loving mother and, you know, she's so maternal and many of us in life have got so many problems and so much baggage. And the greatest person that we can always go to when we have those problems in life is a mother and that maternal love that we all feel drawn to. And she's, you know, the best mother that we could ever have. So I think that, that he's really chosen the right messenger in choosing his mother to come to us. What do you think if Wayne were alive today, 
having only been passed for two years now, right? What do you think you would say just looking at the times and the fact that Mariana lost her monthly vision and just where we are in the world and the current events? He would think God's timing is always perfect. Um, Our Lady has been coming to us for a long, long time. Those messages on the second of every month have uh, continued since the late 1980s. And now we need to start acting on them. You know, at some point she's going to leave her children. Uh, We will graduate from that school of Medjugorje and she will have given us as much information as she can. And from then on, it's up to us to continue uh, living those messages. I would also think that he would um, guess that perhaps we were coming towards the end of the apparitions at this time. There seems to be shifts in the world right now that would lead us to believe that possibly the apparitions may finish soon, whatever soon is. Well, I mean, they do say that it's supposed to happen in their lifetimes of the visionaries and they're up there in the 50s. And the priest that Mariana chose to help reveal the message, Father Pitar Lubitschek. Lubitschek. Yeah. So I I look at him and he's like 73, I think. I think about that because that, actually, that was one of the very first questions that I asked when my friend told me about Medjugorje. And she told me about how the six visionaries saw Our Lady in this. One of the first questions I asked was, are they still alive? (laughs) I don't know. I was just so interested in that. Just just seems telling. My step was to friend him on Facebook for all of his posts. (laughs) Father Lubitschek? Yes. Are you friends with him? Uh, well, not on Facebook, we are. He has a big following on Facebook. Oh, I didn't know that he was on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to go find him. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, is, there, is there anything else that maybe I haven't covered or touched on that you could share with us? Maybe other miracles that come to mind or transformations in other people that just touched you? Well, I think um, pilgrimage is such an important discussion when we talk about Medjugorje and the importance of taking pilgrimage out of our lives and and why we take pilgrimage and go to places like Medjugorje. I believe that pilgrimage is so important. God uh, calls us on pilgrimage. In Medjugorje, we always say Our Lady has called us to Medjugorje uh, when he has special graces to give us. And many people, they hear about Medjugorje, but they think, what can Medjugorje do for me? You know, when you get called on a pilgrimage like that, God has a gift for you. And sometimes in our busy lives, we don't take the time to just be quiet and listen to God. And when we take that week out of our lives and go to Medjugorje and have that quiet, you know, it's not always just about praying to God. It's sometimes about listening to God. And we have that moment to hear God and receive those graces that he has for us. And I think that that's so important to take pilgrimage in our lives. I have two pilgrimages going next year, one for the 40th anniversary in June of next year, and one we take a a pilgrimage every year in November. And it's always been so um, wonderful to see the pilgrims each week when we, we take a group over there to see the change in them, the transformation, uh, to hear their different situations in life uh, that have led them to come on that pilgrimage. And then during the week, we share different things. You know, by the end of the week, on the last night, we talk about the different ways we've been touched. And to hear how monumental people's hearts have been changed and they go back home, it's just really beautiful. The real miracle of Medjugorje is the miracle that goes on in people's hearts. 
I, I believe that. So I think pilgrimage is really, really important. What percentage of the people that travel on pilgrimages would you say are already faithful believers versus people who are atheists or skeptics? Yeah, I, I find that a lot of them are more like lukewarm. lukewarm. I have, you know, a, um, a diehard group that's a great and they'll come every year. They're just awesome. Um, but then I find, you know, sometimes I have others that are just lukewarm, you know, they, they go to mass on Sundays, they don't really pray the rosary or go to adoration or daily mass. And, and those are the ones that God really kind of reaches out and, and grabs our hold of. Mm -hmm. And then there's always a couple on each group that seem to have some skepticism or they, they have some spiritual battle during the week, you know, as they try and come closer to God. I would say maybe... 40% are really um, already deep into their faith. And then I have maybe another 40% that are lukewarm and then 20% uh, that are not completely sure. Yeah. Or, or people who have drugged their husbands or their kids that are saying, you got to see them. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a few of those and the grandmother brings the whole group and everything. It's, it's really awesome. It's, it's really a, a, a great experience. Yes, of course. What would you say is the most shocking thing you've ever seen? Oh, um, so that would be uh, our annual fall pilgrimage that we've done every single year forever and um, falls over Halloween. <laughs> so um, definitely it would be possession. And, you know, in this day and age, we don't really think it exists. People don't want to talk about it. And back in the day, um, we used to go to Shiroki Brig, I think it was with Father Yozo. And it was always on Halloween. It would, that was the day it would fall. And he would come and he would lay hands on all the people, you know, and we'd be slain in the spirit, like right away, you know, he'd give a talk and then pray over people. And for the most part, it was a peaceful event, you know, but then there'd always be one or two and you'd hear like the wailing or, you know, restlessness. And it, it was a long time ago, but that would always um, unnerve me. And then a couple of years ago, I think it was perhaps two years ago, I was at Miriana's apparition on the hill on the second of the month, and it was really quiet. And there was a gentleman with two teenage daughters, they were Italian, next to me at the apparition. And as soon as Our Lady came, and we were all really, really quiet, the two teenage girls next to me, both of them, one worse than the other, it was just, they were making some very unnerving noises. <laughs> and it was just strange. It was just. Did they have to exercise? Did the priest come over and exercise? Uh, it was just, the father, he didn't seem, I think the father kind of knew it. Like it was strange. Like he kind of expected it. Maybe that's why he had brought his children to Medjugorje, you know, but you, you know, those are the things. Where there's good, there's always going to be evil. And we tend to think these things happen in the Bible, we read about them, but we don't believe they still happen today, and they do. I think, I actually think that's one of our problems. <laughs> I think that we need to have more exercising of, spir of spirits, and I, it's a real thing. I, yeah, I've heard so many stories about that, too. Wow. I guess that's uh, pretty much all the questions that I had lined up for you, unless you can think of anything else. Well, I just, of course, want to tell everybody I do, in fact, have, still have Weibel columns. Oh, yes. I Our Medjugorje Center that Wayne opened up in the late 80s. We still, we're still open every day, uh, perhaps bigger than ever right now. And I'll just um, throw out our phone number and you're going to put a link to. I'm going to well. post the links on the show notes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So our phone number is 877 
6061. And our website is weibelcolumns.org. And it's W-E-I, not I-E, W-E-I, weibelcolumns, like a newspaper column, .org. And we have a huge selection of incredibly uh, spiritually nourishing books, spiritual testimonies, the majority of which are from Medjugorje, but there's other books too. We do Divine Mercy books, uh, books by Father Donald Calloway, books by Sister Emmanuel in Medjugorje, just wonderful books, good page-turning books. And then we have our monthly newspaper that I've continued to write. Uh, we publish it both as a newspaper and online digitally, and it contains lots of updates on Medjugorje and the messages and, again, testimonies and all kinds of information. So we have a lot of people that get that. And then again, we lead pilgrimages twice a year. So please get in touch with us if you want to know anything about Medjugorje. Absolutely. I understand it's a full service, first rate pilgrimage, Weibel pilgrimages. Yeah, I'll link all of that so they can contact you for that. About Weibel Calls, you know what just made me think when you were saying that is this is kind of the anniversary of Weibel Columns, the initial newspaper columns that he wrote back in the day of eight, 1981. Wow, I right? One. I have every single edition here in the office. When you were just printing them out and he, was, and he was just mailing them, this, the old snail mail to people, <laughs> just by the oh, thousands, so tens yep. of thousands. Yeah, that, that was just incredible. Well, thank you again so much for joining us and for sharing your time with us. I so appreciate it. And I'd love to keep in touch with you if you could also tell us a little um, trailer about what your current project is. You're working on a memoir of Wayne? Yeah, I've been working on it for a while. I haven't had a lot of time. <laughs> so um, it's not like a life story of Wayne, because I think he had written that in his books. It's okay. not that. I had included, many people had asked me, you know, when they were surprised he died, kind of what happened. So there's a little bit about you know, the last few months we had. And then uh, prior to that, I've added a lot of the testimonies. As you said at the beginning of the show, where you said, you know, I read this book and this was everything. And then I read all of Wayne's books. I hear that so often. And some of the stories are really remarkable. So I've added a lot of stories and, and, and put them all in the beginning of the book. And then Wayne had Lucretian messages uh, for a couple it, of years. Like we call it, Locution, interlocution, yes. where he has. Yes. The yes. Mm -hmm. And we never published them anywhere. We never kind of publicly published them. So I had added a section on that too. So I've kind of put three sections together and, um, and then I haven't got any further, but at the moment it's called Mary's Boy. Uh, he always called himself Mary's Boy and it's going to come out eventually when I finally put it all together. But I'm very excited. There's already like uh, over 200 pages. Wow. Oh, that's significant for sure. Can you tell me, I mean, does he, did he have actual like regular locutions or did it just come to him as a surprise? Obviously it was a surprise, I would think. They were regular. Um, we had a prayer group that I was actually leading at the time, a local prayer group. And we had just over 20 people in the prayer group. And um, he, he spoke of them as being messages for the prayer group. And so he would speak them on the Tuesday night that we had the prayer group. 
and I would always have them typed up. I would always type them up, you know, and after he died, I had spoken with his spiritual director who had read them all through before we had ever vocally um, spoken them to the prayer group. And I asked him if it was okay to publish them and he said it was fine. So I will eventually get that book out. So being that they were messages to the prayer group, it's also generic enough to share with the world. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. But he never saw, did he ever have a vision of apparition of Mary? Just inside? Not as much, no. <laughs> Except now, hopefully. <laughs> now. Oh, yes. I'm sure he's very tight with her right now. <laughs> Mary's boy. Thank you so much again. I think that's it. I keep having the PS. I, I just appreciate you once again. And thank you so much. And if anyone wants to get a hold of Judith, we gave you the information. And we'll have her links on the show notes below. Thank you again. And God bless. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.